0: It's episode 885 of the Romance Cyclone podcast. It is Friday and Sarah is back in the hot seat.
1: And it's actually cut down the amount of smokers in companies by massive amounts. So that's great. You should be somehow
0: penalised as well if you vape.
1: Vape. Like yeah. there should be a
0: 10% extra deduction on your salary if you vape because it's <laughs> the least cool thing that anyone's ever seen. <laughs> but you know what? The, uh, this is a public service <laughs> announcement. Anyone who gets an Iron Man tattoo, you're not welcome. You're
1: just not. So cool, isn't it? We should get a tandem. I could just put my feet up.
0: We rolled down down to the... I think we (laughs) rolled to the cheaper one. Yeah, and of
1: course, you went straight into 350 watts. (laughs) I was just on the back holding on for dear life. Sarah, welcome back. Great to be back.
0: How are you feeling on this beautiful, gorgeous resplendent friday
1: oh yes very very positive
0: <laughs> i chatted to rob Britton during the week on the podcast and i don't often get to use the word oxymoron in a podcast but i did and you might not know what that is but this is a ultra sprint distance you can't have those two things in the same sentence so they're <laughs> ultra or it's a sprint distance 780 odd kilometers it took him to tackle and conquer badlands and it's mouth-watering or eye-burning how little he slept. Do you think you could do it?
1: No, definitely not. And yeah, I listened to the podcast, actually watched it on YouTube, which is even better because you get to see, Rob is quite animated and um, he's, yeah, it's a very good interview to watch on YouTube. So go and check that out. But what really stood out to me is that, yeah, the lack of sleep that man got. The sleep deprivation, the hallucinations, everything. And the bit that I loved is when he talked about how his brain was just getting bombarded with you know, visuals because you're in such a beautiful place but then you're also having to concentrate on the road in front of you. You know, you're constantly switched on. So even though he didn't sleep, what he would do about 10 or 15 times throughout this, I don't know, I think it was like one day and 14 hours or something that it took him to do it, get off the bike, plant his feet down and just hang his head and close his eyes for about 10, 15 seconds and then he said that that would actually rejuvenate him and he'd be ready to rock again for another, what, six, seven hours non-stop. So yeah, shout out.
0: But you could take that if you're working on like a long shift in the bank or something where you need to pull like a 36-hour. All you need to do is plant your feet, look down for a couple of seconds. You're good to go for another 12 hours. No,
1: that's what smoke breaks are for. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they've actually um, started giving in some companies in Japan, I saw this week, they've started giving extra annual days to people who don't smoke to make up for smoke breaks that smokers take. In Japan, apparently smoking is still a very, very big, a big hobby that people partake in. And it's actually cut down the amount of smokers in companies by massive amounts. So that's great. You should it? be somehow
0: penalized as well if you vape.
1: Vape, like you yeah. should be a
0: 10% extra deduction on your salary if you vape because it's the least <laughs> cool thing that anyone's ever seen.
1: Yeah, it's because you don't look cool. Yeah, <laughs>
0: sucking on a, a watermelon. A watermelon,
1: yes, I know you have a serious Hate problem with watermelon.
0: <laughs> the podcast with Shannon Malsey really kind of struck a chord with me because so many of us have a dream and we work towards something. And for me, it was going through law school for that long. And then you get to a place and you imagine you'll have a different feeling or something will somehow click into place when you get there. But When you get to that destination, although everyone is externally super happy for you, something's not sitting right inside you. And that's what happened to Shannon. She wanted to be a pro cyclist. It was always her dream. She won the Aussie national title, got a contract with EF Education. And when she got there, it just didn't sit right. Right. And even as a young girl, she had the EQ to understand that this life wasn't for her. So she walked away from it and she's totally rebuilding her career now. And it's an amazing story. And it was something I mean, that so many people that's stuck in a job that maybe they've worked towards for a long time and they don't love it. But it's maybe externally has a lot of validation. It's great motivation to say, you know, you only live once.
1: Yeah, you're looking at Shannon there in EF and you're like, oh, that's goals. I would love to be there. Even though I have to say I would absolutely hate the life of a pro. From listening to all of your interviews of Pros over the last couple of years, it's just, it's a slog, a grind. Yeah, you're getting to ride your bike every day, but oh, it's a tough life.
0: Last week, I started a my whoosh session in a week because we're coming into the winter period and everyone's always looking for sessions to do. And it's one of the most common DMs I get, like, oh, what's a good session to do? And while it's hard to say a good session because you don't know what someone's goals are, what someone's ability is, where they are in their training block, you can definitely give some guidance because we don't have that many zones. You know, You can only put the chairs around the table in the Titanic so many different ways. So last week, we rolled out a classic, and that was thresholds. So this week, to build on that, I want to roll out another classic, and it's VO2 session. So again, it's a 60-minute session, three by five minutes with five minutes breaks, and the five-minute efforts are in zone five, and your five minutes in between are in zone recovery. So why this is important, think about those crucial moments in a race, whether it's a steep climb or whether it's coming into the final sprint or whether you're trying to get away from the bunch. If you have a well-trained VO2 max, that's going to enable you to generate a more significant anaerobic contribution to that effort, thus improving your chances of getting away. Also, a a higher VO2 max can delay the onset of fatigue. When your body can utilize more oxygen, it relies less on anaerobic metabolism, which produces less metabolites like lactate acid, which can lead to muscle fatigue. And finishing up why I think it's super important, better VO2 max levels can help you recover much faster between efforts you know when you make an effort to follow a move and then the move doesn't stick and it's time to go again having a higher vo2 max means you're going to be able to go with those moves more often because you're going to be recovered and fresher in between it there's no time of season that's a bad time of season to train vo2 max so it's one i'd highly encourage you to throw into the mix
1: Amazing, and I just want to talk again about the podcast I did two weeks ago about zones. If you're confused at what your zones are and what happens in each zone, yeah, go and check that out. The other podcast that I released last Saturday, I got a little little bit of a, you know pushback on it with regards to cadence and how your cadence should be a nice high smooth number. Not everyone agrees. Some people are Tweeting me, telling me to mind my own business, and they could ride around at whatever cadence they want.
0: I think self-selected has shown to be the most efficient cadence, as far as I know.
1: Why am I riding? Why am I doing absolutely disgusting cadence drills twice a week?
0: So. Your self-selected cadence was ridiculous. <laughs> You're riding around forty.
1: I'm riding around at seventy-two. That's where I naturally want to be. Okay, Anthony, let's hop into the questions. Anthony, I'm thinking of buying a tandem bike for myself and my wife. She has a slight disability that makes her unable to cycle on her own, and I've been a cyclist for years and would love to do some cycling trips with her but where do I start I've researched the bike I want but need some very beginner advice on how to handle the bike communication needed between her and I and any other tips that you might have we won't be going at a blistering pace but she's very fit and we will be doing some challenging climbs and hope to go to the Alps in the spring and that's from Tony that's cool
0: That's a really cool question and it's a really cool thing to do. The tandem is brilliant fun. Myself and Peter Ryan obviously pulled on the Irish jersey, rode a world championships on the tandem. Actually, Peter was on the podcast two weeks ago. It's worth going back to listen to It's strange to me that that's the first time he's been on the podcast, but hey-ho.
1: Yeah, he's been such a constant in your life and my life since I met you as well, you know? So it's like, he's just such an inspiring story. So definitely go and check that out. I
0: suppose one of the considerations that we didn't realize with the tandem at the start, Sarah, was how big it is. It's difficult to store and we live in an apartment. So it takes up a lot of space. So it's just something to consider if you are living in an apartment maybe looking at storing in the local bike shop or storing in a parent's house or something like that. But in terms of handling, which is your question, like where do you start on it? I think you start the exact same way you would if somebody was trying to get started on a road bike with that graded adaptation idea where you can start in a safe space. You don't want to be in traffic straight away. You're going to have the basics down if you're already a cyclist. You're not going to be having the crashes where you go clip in and you fall over at traffic lights. You won't be having those. But there is nuances to this because... If they're on the back and they, everyone has a a foot, they preference taking the, you know, disconnecting the cleat from the pedal or from the shoe. So if your preference is you do it on the left and their preference is they do it on the right.
1: That's not going to work.
0: That's not going to work. And Mm -hmm. that is going to result in one of those crashes. So it's just a little bit of communication when you're coming up to the stop sign or coming down on the right hand side. Or better yet, just have a default side. You're always going down on the right hand side unless you say me say left-hand side, because there could be a reason like a grate or a shore or something on the right where you don't unclip. Another one is standing out of the saddle. We just do it easily on the road bike. We never really think about it. But on the tandem, there does need to be a little bit of forward planning and coordination. So as I'm coming to a climb, you know, at a point in the climb and it starts pinching and I kind of want to shift that load more onto my quads, I'll normally stand. But you just need to say standing now. So they have a chance to stand at the same time. And then the rocking back and forward coordination takes a little bit of time to synchronize as well. Because if they're moving their right shoulder to the right-hand side at a different time to you, it's going to result in an imbalance. It's going to feel strange as well. It's very safe. Like it sounds like, and it looks like, oh my God, where do I even start? But I would start by just giving it a go and do it in a very controlled environment and build up to adding stimulus like other riders and traffic. And before you know it, you'd be out in the group ride. and Having so much fun.
1: Oh, it's so cool, isn't it? We should get a tandem. I could just put my feet up. We rode down, down to the, back. I think we <laughs> rode
0: to the one Yeah, and of
1: course you went straight into 350 watts. <laughs> I was just on the back holding on for dear life. But it was a lot of fun. I would love to do more of that. I think it's an absolutely brilliant oh, idea. Oh, I couldn't
0: even get away from you. Uh,
1: <laughs> just before we move on from that, Anthony, there are so, a few considerations to take in when you're talking about like the mechanicals that happen on the tandem, isn't there? I know that it was, it's a little bit trickier. than Yeah, less than of a recreational
0: bike. end than high okay. performance end because if you're doing you know we're trying for pursuits and kilos on the track and stuff so you are kind of jerry-rigging equipment that's not meant to be jerry-rigged like adding two chains together which is fine because it, you know we add chains together and take links out all the time but when you start putting the force of two lads who can both do over 1400 watts out with a gate through that chain you know 2800 watts going through a chain it's not ideal and you do have mishaps but you know for riding around tour and leisure even a bit of uh, local racing it should be fine.
1: Amazing. Okay, Tony, let us know how you get on with that. Okay, question two. Sarah, do you find that women's specific cycling kit is really that important? There's always way more sales on men's kit and some good deals. But I know you say to only buy women's kit and that's from Joyce Montan. Uh, yes, I really am a firm believer in buying a female-specific chamois. Now, if you want to go and buy jerseys, leg warmers, you know, gilets, anything in the men's sale, knock yourself out. The fit actually won't be as good on your body because the jerseys and it's like buying a blouse. A man's shirt is not going to fit the same as a women's specific blouse. But you will get away with it if you don't mind the, the shape and the fit and probably the length being a little bit longer. But yes, I am a big proponent of a women's cycling specific chamois. Because when I started riding, I used to wear a lot of hand-me-down kit from Anthony. And it just is not as comfortable. It doesn't sit on the body as good as the one that is made for women.
0: A few years ago, I saw a huge gap in the market for an app that was like a cycling coach, but in your pocket. I knew that AI was ultimately going to be the best coach in the world. And I spent about two years of my life trying to make this app happen. Unfortunately for me, it didn't happen. But ever since then, I've kept a really close eye on this space to see if anyone else could succeed where I failed. The Breakaway app caught my attention a couple of months ago because Christian Vandeveld, yep, the Christian Vandeveld who came forth in the Tour de France, is one of the co-founders. And it seems that the Breakaway have created the ultimate cycling training companion, and they're bringing low-cost coaching to the masses. You'll know from listening to the podcast that my pet peeve is when cyclists head out the door with no plan, no goal, and just roll around without an objective. Don't be that guy. The Breakaway app looks at all your historic training data and it builds a plan around your strengths and weaknesses so you're always going to have the perfect session. They also have integrations which I'm really excited about, Whoop and Aura Ring. The reason I've previously ditched my wearables is because the data just wasn't informing my training. No longer the case. Head on over to Roadmantrial.com and you can download their app for free. That's Roadmantrial, dot com and download the app for free. The link to this is in today's show notes.
1: Okay, question number three. Why do you think there is such a divide between triathletes and purist cyclists? I do triathlon, but train with a road cycling club and literally get ribbed constantly about triathlon. From my sock height to bike handling to, oh, why only do one sport when you can suck at three? (laughs) Comments. We're all lovers of cycling. So why can't we all be friends? Oh, why can't we all be friends? (laughs) (laughs) You mentioned my triathlete experience. It was very brief. There is, there is like a, there is a divide. Yeah, a sure. little
0: bit. I think it's more a little bit of a joke. But I have yeah. Ben Hoffman on the podcast, which is coming out next week, I believe. Ben, one of the best long course triathletes over the last decade, and we were chatting a little bit about this, and it is interesting. I think one of the big shifts, and it's it's why maybe I won't ever rule out going into triathlon because it's a little bit of a stage of life for most people. It's like. Doing a marathon where you're shifting from pure competition. Like if you finish 45 seconds down in a bike race, the finished gantry is wrapped up. Everyone's gone home, backed up, drove off. The race is over. You're not part of that event. No one's staying around to clap you home. You could finish six hours down in an Ironman. People will cheer you home, will clap you there. Everyone's a winner. While a part of me, does love that participation is, you know, fostered, encouraged, and it gets the masses into sport. And I wish cycling had more of that at some level. There's a small little part of me that's come up through the cycling system, you know, it raced in France, raced in Belgium, home my craft here, coming up through the ranks, where there is something smugly elitist about just the best guys at that craft meeting at a no-frills location, kicking absolute shit out of each other and then just disappearing with no fanfare and going and doing it all again next week. They're very, very different. And also cycling is steeped in hundreds and hundreds of years of tradition where triathlon isn't, and it's just building that at the moment. But, you know, some of my closest training partners are triathletes as well. So I, I do like
1: triathletes. You do. Okay. You're just putting that out there. Yeah. That's good. So, <laughs> yeah, I agree. I think there is, as Anthony said, just a little bit of playful slagging. We had a new guy come out in the ride a few weeks ago, Donald. I know Donald listens. And he was like, kind of came up. He was like, Oh, I was like, Are you a triathlete? I could just kind of tell. You know, the way, you can just kind of tell by the way a fella rides his bike, or I don't know it's the physique or something. It's different. They actually have upper body strength as well, and like pure
0: cyclists. Well, do you have his, uh, his phone number or something written on his arm and marker.
1: <laughs> no, but he was kind of almost like a bit sheepish about telling me, you know, and I was like, oh, you're fine. You've got the sock height, okay. But yeah, I mean, triathletes are more than welcome in our groups swim, and they should be.
0: But you know what, I'll just, this is a public service <laughs> announcement anyone who gets an Iron Man tattoo, you're not welcome. You're just not. Why did you get an Iron Man tattoo? It's the stupidest shit I've ever seen in my life. It's like getting a Nike tattoo.
1: What about a Rose tattoo? No,
0: don't do it. It's like, this is a brand and you're putting a brand on your body, unless you're doing it ironically and you're getting like a Hellman's mayonnaise tattoo, that's the only acceptable brand. Let's get. I, I feel quite strongly about this one. So let's get on to number four.
1: Okay. Question number four. Love the show, guys. I've been listening for a few years and have everyone in my cycling club hooked now too. Anthony, you've spoken about missing some events that you planned over the last few months due to illness. Something similar happened to me this year too, as I was plagued with sickness and injury. And every time I felt like I was getting back on board, I was struck down again. How do you deal with this mentally and keep motivation to pick yourself up and train and go on again? Christ, the absolute inclination to just become a couch potato and give in to the lazy part of me is getting strong. And that's from Shane Knight 66. Six.
0: The game is long. That's how I justify it. The road is long. And I've seen so many riders come born really bright for a year or less and they have these huge ambitions that they're going to do this and they're going to do this and then they disappear. But the game for me is about staying in the game. It's about cycling is not this destination where I get to this event and I'll be happy. It's a lifestyle, it's something that I enjoy doing. So it's the journey to get to those events. So even if I don't get to the event, like, you know, migration gravel race didn't happen for me this year. I like the process of staying in shape. I like the process of sacrifice because especially as you start getting, this is another conversation we're having with Ben Hoffman. When you're 20 years old and you haven't got a penny or when I was racing in France and making 50 euro a week, you can't really make indulgent decisions. You can't go out to the restaurant and order the glass of wine with the dessert and the steak for a main. You just don't have money to do it. So when you start making a small bit of cash, I'm not talking a lot of cash, you start making enough cash that you can buy food outside the house, you start getting soft and <laughs> having events like this, it's the antidote to modern society where it's pulling you back in and it's having discipline and restraint to sacrifice when you could be splurging like everyone else. So it's your little way to be a little bit less ordinary than everyone else. So don't give in to the temptation to be ordinary because ordinary addicted to pain relief, Ordinary's. Slightly overweight, unhappy at their job, unhappy at their relationships. So, it's a chance to be a little more than that.
1: Extraordinary. And I think that a another guest that we had a few weeks ago that I loved, I took so much from this was Dr. Michael Gervais. They were in your conversation with Anthony. They were talking about how to set goals and stick to them, and he said that instead of focusing on the event or you know I'm going to do an Ironman, I'm going to do a Wicklow 200 or some ultra race. Focus on the feeling that you want to have. That feeling of, okay, I'm going to feel in shape. Or I'm going to be sleeping amazing. I'm going to be fit. And the feeling of how that is going to make you think and think about yourself and motivate yourself. And if you focus on the feeling rather than the outcome, that will actually give you, um, you know, that motivation to keep on going. I've been using that over the last couple of weeks and I have to say it's really worked. Anytime I was wavering on getting on to do those high cadence drills on the walk bike, I've been just thinking, look, how am I going to feel after I complete this and after I get all greens on my app, on my breakaway app that I've done my session? There you go. That's what I would focus
0: on. And that's in a micro level. But if you zoom out and you look at that in a macro level, like what's that feeling you're chasing after you've done months of preparation and completed your target event? That feeling of, you know, that evening when you sit down to have a pizza and a beer when you're totally exhausted but totally elated. That's a feeling worth chasing. And even as you're saying that, there, that's like something me and training partner of mine, Sean, we used to talk about all winter. You chase these moments, these feelings that you try and replicate. And for one of those feelings that I've chased, I don't know, like I'd say 10 winters out of all my training, is stage four in one of our races at Easter called Ross Moon. And stage four, it's like the culmination of this four-day mini tour of Ireland. And there's crowds out, there's announcers out, there's just it finishes with this 10 laps up the hill and the hill is packed with people and i chase that feeling of my name on the speaker a gap of 40 seconds the motorbike beside me giving the chalk update the fans shouting i can't even put into words what that is because words aren't deep enough to describe that feeling but i chase that all winter and that gets me out the door through some pretty shitty weather
1: wow that's really cool Question number five, Anthony and Sarah, I saw a post on Twitter from Sarah saying that you should take your helmet off at the coffee shop. Why is this? I usually leave it on. Is it bad manners? Yeah, I put up a tweet last week. I was drinking coffee with my helmet on because I just couldn't. I was, yeah, having a bit of bad hair day. It's a great sport if you're ever having a bad hair day, although it is the cause of the bad hair day. (laughs) Yeah, true.
0: I think it's just bad manners. I I think it's like wearing your cap at dinner.
1: Yeah, it's like, but also, why do you need your helmet on when you're walking around quite safely in a cafe? Crazy trip. Yeah, I just I, I, just think it looks weird if you leave it on. Yeah. I, it's it's not bad. Well, it's kind of bad manners, but there's, there's no health and safety, guys, <laughs> or, you know, reason to keep it on. So why would you not take it off? It's
0: also a little bit unhygienic because you're kind of, I'm just thinking about whenever we come into the coffee shop on the Saturday spin. So you're coming from doing an effort in a cold environment into a warmer environment where you're not doing an effort. And you're normally sweating quite heavily for the first couple of minutes after you stop, more so than you will be on the bike because you have the wind to dissipate the heat. So when you get into the coffee shop, I want to get ventilation into my head to let it cool down naturally, not be stuck in that helmet, which is going to exasperate the problem.
1: And for the love of God, everybody, I see people doing it. On- all of the time, even on our spin, putting their helmets on the table where you're eating your cake and drinking your coffee. I, it's just absolutely revolting to me. They stink. Put it behind you on your seat if you have to, or just put it on the ground or hang it off your bike. But don't put it on the table. Sick.
0: Finishing up with a little bit of tech there. You covered the Shimano recall a couple of weeks ago. It's all kicking off. The plot is thickening. There looks like a class action lawsuit. So a class action is basically when a bunch of different people who all have a similar goal or a similar gripe come together as one unity or one entity to bring a lawsuit. So the lawsuit is against Trek Specialized and Shimano. The lawsuit alleges the crankset recall was inadequate, claiming that by only recalling a part of them that Shimano is working hard to limit the cost of fixing the issue at the expense of consumers. And that they knowingly and intentionally misrepresented, omitted, concealed or failing to disclose material facts regarding to the quality, reliability and safety of the cranks. All that seems pretty legit. I, I mm. can't understand how it's not a full recall, how they're asking people to inspect your cranks. Sure, my inspection skills are going to be different to your inspection skills. Bike shop A's inspection skills are going to be different to bike shop B's inspection skills. So it seems highly, highly inadequate. And I think that wording was correctly summed up.
1: Yeah, I, I think they're saying that to put the onus on a bike mechanic in your shop to determine, make an engineering decision whether your crank is safe or not. And then if your crank is safe, in a verticam is safe. You're let out the door, and what if it then deteriorates? I mean, it's it's not a good answer that they've come up with at all with these with it. I mean, obviously they're trying to save money. A recall will cost them millions and millions and millions. The numbers are absolutely huge, but they have been quite underhand in the way that they've dealt with this.
0: No, and the other one that is important to just finish up on is the externality, like the unintended side effect of all of this. If you are someone who rides a bike for a season and then flips it at the end of the season, it's killing your resale value. Who wants to buy a Shimano Holotech crank now? Absolutely no one. We have one sitting in the press and at the end of the season, I was like, oh, maybe I'll do a little bit of a clear out. And I was looking at it last week when we were pulling some things together for a bike pack. And I was like, you literally couldn't give that away now. And would I feel good in even giving that to no. a junior lad in the club that's no, looking for a No, your conscience
1: couldn't give it to somebody. No, for sure. Just in case.
0: Robin, thanks for tuning in. Sarah's going to be back again tomorrow with another solo party, and I'll be back again on Monday. Ride safe. And have a great day.
1: Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Have you ever wondered how good you could actually be? Each of us has a unique set of circumstances with work, family and social obligations, but we also want to fulfill our potential in cycling. Okay, okay. Maybe you won't ever win the Tour de France, but for most of us, this is what cycling is about.